Hello, and welcome to the podcast, Biblical Question. We are excited you've taken time out of your day to listen to our podcast. For more information about us, you may visit our website at biblicalquestion.com. We will tell you the web address again at the show's end. We encourage you to open your Bible and follow along as we study the Bible. Now here is your host, Joseph. Well, hello there, and I do welcome you to the podcast. I'm excited that you take some time out of your day to, to listen to us, download this podcast. Please tell your friends and family about us. Tell your church members about us, and we certainly would love to have them listening as well. Today we're going to continue this uh, series of biblical interpretation. It's really going to be kind of a part two of last week where we uh, introduced a couple terms, uh, hermeneutics and exegesis. And today we're going to talk a lot more about uh, exegesis. And so please bear with me. Uh, please have a Bible nearby. And so please open your Bibles and follow along as we do go through this podcast. And we're going to go through and try to decide what the text means in its original uh, format to the people who wrote it and, of course, the people who read it, who received it. In other words, exegesis is what we're going to be doing. And try to determine what the Scripture uh, is trying to say uh to its original writers, to us today. And of course, that first step would be before deciding how it applies to us today, uh, before we go off and, and choosing all these different things. Now, this passage means this today, and it means that today. But we really need to decide what it really meant to the people who originally uh, received this letter. I think that's very important. I'm not taking away anything at all of the applications for us today in our society because i believe all the scripture has some application to us today if not all of it and so last week at the end of the podcast i kind of gave you a heads up that we would be using the book of jude or his epistle and so if you're not there open it up and mark your bible there because we're going to use uh, jude quite a bit throughout this podcast our Third part uh, podcast really concerns about uh, the occasion and the purpose and what was happening in this book. Why was it written? Uh, these two uh, occasions and purposes go together and can be deducted from the same reading. However, if I could not do these two things together, then I would split them up and make them into separate lessons or in my notes. So the first thing is what's happening. I mean, what's the problem? What what was the reason that the writer wrote this epistle or wrote his gospel account? Is the writer in prison? I use that as an example because uh, the Apostle Paul was in prison when he wrote uh, a lot of the New Testament. You know, we have John. He's in, uh, on the island of Patmos. He's really been exiled to an island and in a way, he's kind of in a prison, too. So uh, is he coming back soon? Is the writer sick? Uh, is he far away from these people that he's writing to? How well does he know them? Again, the purpose of this letter might be related in part to the condition of the writer himself. I mean, he may want to explain his situation. Usually that comes from what is implied in the details and in the applications of of the book mainly of course that would be the apostle paul he does have a lot of prison epistles as they are called this uh this a letter again does it have 
implied weaknesses in other areas? Uh, does everyone have this weakness? Is there just a few problem makers in the church there? Again, each epistle was written with a particular uh, recipient in mind with a, a very clear need or problem that needed to be addressed. So again, uh, we're going to use the book of Jude. And Jude has a really a close relationship uh, with his audience. You can see that and how he begins his epistle in the first uh, three verses and how he ends or closes his epistle as well. And uh, they were, have been influenced by certain men that came about uh, that they were unaware of that, or either that they were ignoring a situation. I see lots of uh, congregations, uh, they know there's a problem. They just ignore the problem. They don't want to solve it. And so uh, verse 4 would tell us that these people uh, have kind of slipped in kind of secretly, maybe under the radar, we might say. And verses um, 8, 10, and, and verse 12, it tells us they might be leaders or actual teachers uh, within the group, within that particular congregation as well. And then if you look at verse 12, uh, it tells us that the church has, has had good fellowship and that these men are, are part of that fellowship. Verse 21 then tells us that these people have uh, a loving nature about them. They really do care about each other. They really want to be uh, following God, you know, Christ and how he has directed them. And so, again, these men are part of that fellowship. In verse uh, 19, however, there's, there's some division. And Jude will kind of mention that. Verse 24, uh, Jude kind of warns them that they are in danger of following away. And so I know I have a few listeners that probably uh, remember this, that kind of follow along uh, from years past, do listen to the podcast, where we spent almost six months studying the book of Jude. Uh, and these uh, 20 some verses so jude is really a, a very full book it really is it's really deep and uh, it seems like it's pretty shallow when you read it uh, but if you really go through it like uh, examples that we've been using in this series i think that would really open up uh, not only jude but the rest of the bible for you and that's kind of what i want i want you to be able to study the bible for your own on a, on a personal deeper level uh, without the aid of, of so many other people influencing you. And I'm trying not to influence you per se of exactly what each book says. I'm trying to give you examples and how to do that and try to draw your own conclusions. Because I believe the Holy Spirit, if you're sincere and really wanting to learn and know the Bible, He will help you and guide you. So something else that we need probably as this, uh, these letters are written uh, or books uh, what is happening with those people who receive the letter? Again, are, are they in a, in a really good relationship with the, the person who, who wrote it? Are there tensions between the writer and the church or with particular individuals who is written to? Again, uh, the book of Galatians, I used this last week. Uh, they've been led astray by false teachers. John writes in the, his book of Revelation uh, to a group of people. Uh, John is on, on Patmos, I guess I said earlier, on an island. So that's what's going on with him. And in the church there, they're being persecuted all over Asia Minor by the Roman Empire. 
so does this church, uh, the, the people who receive this letter, what is their problems? Uh, some questions to ask maybe. Are they lazy? Uh, are they materialistic? Or are they indifferent? Uh, are they in danger of some type of doctrinal um, apostasy? Timothy, he's, he's in Ephesus, Ephesus excuse me, uh, and there's some false teachers there. And this is really the occasion that Paul uh, would talk about, and Paul predicted this in, in the book of Acts. In Acts chapter 20, you can read that uh, in verses 29 and 30, where as Paul is leaving, he warns them that false teachers will come into their uh, midst, into their, their church, and they really needed to be on guard for that. The same is true with the church in Corinth. You can read that in uh, 2 Corinthians chapters 10 through 13. Paul makes it very clear that there are many false teachers there, which is what is happening to the church in Corinth. They're really having a lot of problems with false teaching. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, you can read there where uh, they, they learn that the occasion is that this man is, is living in sexual immorality uh, in fact, he's really just kind of sleeping with his stepmother. In chapter 6, one of the Christians takes another Christian to court and sues instead of letting the church try to resolve that conflict. Uh, those are the clear stated ones of uh, the issues and the problems that are going on. And so this information kind of tells us about the occasion of the letter. Why was the letter written? There is an urgent uh, situation that has arisen in the church whom Jude, again, I'm, we're going to go back to him, has very close ties with these people. And Jude has heard about this case, and, and he really truly loves him. And he uh, would assume by him writing that they love him in return. And so he had planned to write them about a, a letter of joy and, and rejoicing in the gospel, that mutual thing that they had together. And so the situation is this. Over time, a group of men gained access to some type of influence within the congregation. And they have secretly slipped in, as you read in Jude verse 4. So it's not a clearly uh, intentional thing, what they uh, were or what they are going through or about uh, after gaining these positions of authority, but Perhaps the eldership, the leadership there, had, uh, began to influence the congregation through their teachings and their lifestyle. And it, as you read it, you get this idea that they are in grave danger. And they really don't seem to know it. Or if they do, they're not really doing anything about it. And that could be the occasion and the purpose of why he wrote this. And so we're going to come back here after the break, and we're going to talk about uh, discovering the purpose. We want to go talk a little more about that. And, and again, we're going to uh, read several verses here. If you have a Bible, uh, please grab it. Uh, we'll be here in 1 John and then Titus chapter 1 right after the break. Do you enjoy our weekly podcast? Though many of our listeners around the world in poverty-stricken nations aren't financially able to support our podcast, if you are able, we'd be grateful for your help. We offer several ways to help support the podcast on our website. Would you be in prayerful consideration in your cheerful donation or purchasing through one of our affiliates? 
Thank you for listening, and may he have the glory. Okay, so we're back here. Discovering this purpose, why was the book written? Naturally, the, the occasion was happening with the church would dictate the need for a letter and its purpose. At John chapter 1, excuse me, 1 John chapter 2 is the stated purpose. So the first statement of purpose here is, My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does... Okay, another purpose is I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. And that's in 1 John chapter 5. And then John would continue. The reason that I'm writing this book is so that you can read its contents and know for certain that you are in Christ and possess eternal life. Okay, so there's two things in there that John talks about in his epistle. Why did he write? Titus chapter 1 verse 5, Paul's statement to, to Titus, the reason I left you in Crete was that you might strengthen out what was left unfinished and might appoint elders in every town as I dictated to you. Here's 1 Timothy chapter 3 verses 14 and 15. The stated purpose here, right? The apostle writes, although I hope to come to you soon, I am writing these instructions so that I am, if I am delayed, you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, which is the church of the living God. So again here, Paul says he he cannot get there right away. He's coming in Timothy. He's the evangelist there and the church needs to be taught how they should behave themselves. And so Paul is writing these things to give instructions. The statement purpose in Luke, okay? Luke chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. Therefore, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, it seemed good also to me to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theopolis. So, those are the purposes of the letter. I mean, the writer may feel that he needs to state the purpose uh, very clearly. He's expressing it very plainly. The knowledge between them and what they, they needed, it determines the purpose. And it would be evident to both the writer and the recipient what the purpose was. And so if you're deducting the purpose of the book of Romans, for example, a purpose that needs to be directly stated, you can... You can see that there's a threat, a division uh, between the Jewish and the Gentile lines. And Paul writes this book to promote unity among the brethren. When you be- deduct the purpose of Jude, Jude tells us pretty clearly in verse 3 uh, to convince them that there was a need to fight for the faith, uh, that object or thing believed in, which would be Christ. It, it, it's a must in the original language that says that. So exhorting them, uh, he's encouraging them, urging them, uh, emotionally trying to inform them and alert them uh, of the situation at hand and what they need to be careful of. There's a sense of urgency that's, that's really stated here. I mean, as Jew would write his letter, uh, not to defend the faith, but to stir them up to defend the faith among themselves against false people, false teachers, false brethren, 
uh, depending on your version. But, and apparently, again, like I said earlier, they've crept in, uh, and they're undermining the faith there. They're, 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 that current under the water, really pulling them down. And then in, in this fourth reading, you know, we kind of been breaking this, you know, reading all the way through the book. Uh, has a special emphasis and, and a theme. And it, it, what's going on here? It seems to kind of go together. It, if you cannot do them in one reading, then split them up. That's no problem. But like the occasion uh, and the purpose, the special emphasis and, and the theme, if they all seem to go together, if you just get one, and then that's okay too. So the theme would be the central point or the thrust of the book. Usually there's one of uh, some kind of theological type truth pr presented by the writer to present, to persuade, uh, to correct a problem to the people he's writing to. And again, I, I'm a firm believer that the Holy Spirit has chosen a particular theme in which to accomplish this purpose. You, you, can, you can state your purpose, uh, but how are you going to convince these people that's what's going on, what is right, what's wrong, what they should do, what they should not be doing, it is a method of the accomplished goal that God would want, the overall uh, proposition for which the writer is arguing, arguing uh, it could be called a theme. Is there a particular emphasis on topics of importance that, that receive considerable amount of space and time, uh, a, lot of, a lot of words, right, uh, that the writer is presenting, not just one-time honorable mention-type things or issues, but he just keeps going over and over, trying to stress a certain issue or problem. Uh, it could be a thing of praising and just encouraging that they're doing good things, too. And so these topics really uh, can have a long development in, in the Greek, and when they're all strung together in a book in a, in a particular way that's designed by the Holy Spirit, these are special emphases that uh, are trying to be proven uh, to present the theme, uh, to develop the theme. The, there are certain priorities that are, are building blocks of this theme. Again, the original people uh, to whom this letter was written, they're going to have to be convinced of this particular a doctrinal thing to be motivated or change an act of what they're doing. Same thing today. You know, there's this old thing, old saying, um, the more things change, the more they remain the same. And so we need to kind of bear that in, in mind. So how do we proceed? Well, when you're looking at uh, things in certain terms or, or this, uh, the stress or emphasis, how does that really relate to the theme as you're going through your study you're asking yourself these questions well list all these emphasis as you go through the book you know start writing them down in in a in a, in a prayer journal or, or uh, some kind of note taking in your computer however you do it and once you've listed all those that you have found throughout the book and and then back off of it and look at them and and kind of uh, you know, go through in your mind all this that you wrote down and what does it really seem to be the theme that's presented throughout uh, the letter that's been written. So here's some special emphasis or, or the theme. And I, again, I'm going to use Jude as the example. 
And as you study, you will notice the verses and all these things that are said. This, this description and the position of the blessings of a Christian, the faith, the descriptions of false brothers, uh, their lifestyles, motives, uh, their tongue. There's a, this idea of judgment on, on evildoers. And this attention to one's faith. And here is what we came up with as a theme based on uh, going through all these special emphasis. God has always condemned those whose lifestyle and teachings do not conform to the truth. And we really need to understand that better probably today. God has always had that um, down look on, on all of that. And so, again, outlining and paragraphing your own, making your own notes, I would, I would do that in another reading. Again, you might read this same book five, six, seven times trying to get all this kind of written down to help you understand what the book is really about, what, it's, what is the theme, what's the atmosphere, what's the background, and so on. And so... I, I would just, like example, uh, find, find a Bible that doesn't have paragraphs in it. Uh, an example would be a, a, a King James Version with no paragraphs or divisions. There, I know there's other translations that, that do a paragraph for you, uh, but out of this type of idea, maybe uh, what I have done to help me, because I have some Bible software, I just copy and paste uh, that particular book and put it into a Word document, and I go through the struggles, and, and I delete all the chapters and the little notes that somebody's put in there that's not really part of the original text. And that's what I start doing, is marking where I think the new paragraphs should be, the and the chapter breaks, and so on. And I, you need to understand, also, in the original language, there was no paragraphs. There was no chapters and verses. That's all been done for us uh, to help us break the Bible down and be able to memorize it and do different things. So, again, let's continue to, to use Jude. So, this main theme, this main emphasis uh, of, of Jude was, was in the introduction that we need to fight false teachers. Again, God has always condemned the disobedient and the unbelieving, and these false teachers are similar, and they're going to receive the same judgment, and Jude is trying to warn them about this. There, there's always seems to be a fight for the faith that always has and always condemns the ungodly. But don't let the translators unnecessarily influence you in, in your decision about paragraphing because they can be wrong. There's some really bad chapter breaks, I think, in many of the books of, of the New Testament. The, the idea is still being carried on, and for some reason there's a chapter break. So uh, we need to, to be able to kind of do that. And so somebody's going to think, well, boy, this is only for preachers that want to do this. Well, actually, I started doing this before I became a preacher. Uh, somebody kind of started teaching me kind of along this line. Uh, Byron was really good about trying to help me do that. And so we need 
to do this and compare your decisions about paragraphing. You know, when you've got it, your own paragraph uh, set up, go back and look at the translators and see what they did in the different versions. And I think it's kind of fun to do, especially like with a book of Jude or one of the smaller epistles to do that. And, and I think it helps break, uh, break it down for myself. It gets me deeper into understanding that particular book. And so, again, look at the text and decide what paragraphs or sentences should go together and make up your own and, and determine uh, for yourself what should be considered a paragraph or not. Make a parallel one. Uh, do it and then go away from it and do it again uh, down the road and set it side by side and see if, if you agree six months down the road. And so surveying and looking at the different paragraphs that you have made and, and put it all together in a thought. Is this a big idea or is this a small idea and so forth. And so I'm going to short, this is going to be one of the shorter uh, podcasts in this series, but I want to look again at Jude. And so please open your Bible, and we're actually going to read Jude. And I'm going to be reading from the New American Standard Version. And there is no chapters, for those who don't know, There's, it's only 25 verses long, and so we're going to read that. It says, Jude, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, the brother of James, to those who are called beloved in God the Father and kept for Jesus Christ. May mercy and peace, love, be multiplied to you. Beloved, while I was making every effort to write to you about our common salvation, I felt it necessary to write to you, appealing that you would contend earnestly for the faith which was once and all handed down to the saints. Verse 4. For certain persons have crept in unnoticed, those who were, who were long beforehand marked out for this uh, condemnation, ungodly persons who turn grace of our God into litigiousness and deny our only Master and Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, so... Here, that's the introduction, the four, first four uh, verses. If yeah, I slaughtered a word there, uh, I apologize for that. Uh, but then you notice that we see a significant, uh, com- uh, he's condemning all the old and new evildoers. And that would be the first, uh, again, starting in verse 5 and going through verse 19. Now, I desire to remind you, though, you know all things once and for all that the Lord, after saving a people out of the land of Egypt, subsequently destroyed those who did not believe, and angels who did not keep their own domain but abandoned their purpose, their prior abode, and has kept them in eternal bonds under darkness for the judgment of the great day. Just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them, since they are in the same way as those who indulge in gross immorality when after strange flesh are exhibited as an example in the undergoing of the punishment of eternal fire. So it kind of keeps kind of going on through this. And so, again, 
that New Testament evildoers, or they were prophesied about. And then verses 14 uh, through 19, it was also about these men that Enoch in the seventh generation from Adam prophesied, saying, Behold, the Lord came with many thousands of holy ones to execute judgment upon all and to convict all the ungodly of all their ungodly deeds which they have done in an ungodly way and of those harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These are the, the grumblers finding fault, following after their own lust. They speak arrogantly, flattering people for the sake of gain of vantage. Verse 17. But you, beloved, ought to remember the words that were spoken beforehand by the apostle of our Lord Jesus Christ, that they were saying to you in the last time there will be mockers following after all godly lust. These are the ones who cause divisions, worldly-minded, devoid of the Spirit. So, again, these things were predicted uh, by the Old and New Testament writers. Verses 20 through 23, if you keep reading, they're to, to boaster, you know, to, to pick up your spiritual life and, and help the weak survive. And then, of course, he concludes, you know, kind of like we have in our letters today. We always, in conclusion or sincerely or whatever, that kind of idea. Now, verse 24, Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling, and make you stand in the presence of his glory, blameless with great joy to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be the glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, now and forever. Amen. So, again, he concludes uh, that God can deliver you from this, this impeding danger. And that's exactly true for us today. He can keep us from stumbling. If he could do it in the days of Jude, he can do it in the days of 2023. And so this kind of wraps up I, this part two of this uh, two-week deal of exegesis and homiletics, trying to put it all together, uh, trying to, to get it smoothly as I could to you uh, to help you understand trying to get you to outline uh, your own studies, come to your own conclusions. And I think that really has helped me over the years. I think it would really help you as well in your own personal studies. And so, again, we just kind of did this quickly and briefly with, with the reading of Jude. But you can do this with most books of the Bible, as we've already discussed. Uh, there might be a couple that might be a little harder to, to do that with. I think Psalms is already pretty well broken up for you in the correct chapters and verses. But each each uh, psalm has its own theme, and you could break it down and try to and do the theme and, and whatnot. So, again, I, I really pray that this really encourages you to, to, to study your Bible more deeply, even though I've stumbled over some words and pronouncing some things that Spending as much time as you can as you want to learn your favorite book is okay. If your favorite book is Jude, that's great. If your favorite book is uh, Exodus, fine. Okay? Uh, you can do that with, with any book that you want and try to have this a deeper uh, 
understanding. I think you will really be pleased with the fruit of your labor. Uh, this, this is something I think God would really truly uh, reward you for in your efforts to understand him, uh, his words uh, for us to know and, and to live by. I know God has truly blessed me in a deeper and better understanding uh, each and every day as I strive to, to learn more and more about him. And that's what I want for you as my listeners, to, to have a deeper, clearer understanding of God's word. Uh, not because I say so, not because your preacher says so, or some guy in a fancy suit on TV says so. Because you personally have studied it for yourself and have come to your own conclusions that you have allowed the God to uh, guide your mind, your heart, and your focus in that direction. Again, I want to thank you for listening. I certainly hope and pray again that you will join us again uh, next week and that we'll continue to, to strive to know his word for us to all to live by, to have obedient lives to him, to have eternal life and a reward with him for all eternity. Again, join us next week as we continue this idea of biblical interpretation. I thank you again for listening, and may God bless you. May he always have the glory. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Be sure to hit the like button and follow us on your podcasting app. Please check out our website at biblicalquestion.com. All one word, all lowercase. In addition, we have a prayer request page, a way of contacting us, a statement of faith, and other resources for our listeners. Do you have a Bible question you would like answered on a future podcast or prayer request? We would be honored to hear from you and add your prayer request to our list so others may pray for you. Subscribe to our newsletter and follow us on our social media accounts. Again, that is biblicalquestion.com. Thank you and may He have the glory.